A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. This is a podcast from The Times, sports newspaper of the year. And welcome to The Game, the audio version of the ultimate football news service from The Times. I'm Gabriel Marcotti, and this week I'm joined by Matt Dickinson, Rory K. Smith, and broadcasting from beautiful downtown Rippenden, it's Ollie Kay. Later on we'll be discussing the transfer window. But first, how about Liverpool and City? A 2-2 draw. Uh, Ollie... I guess we can start with City, but we really should start with Liverpool. Is this the answer that Brendan Rodgers was supposed to be giving? I think, it, I think it's the first part of the response, uh, I think, to, to, to the question. I, I think it's... Um, I, I thought Liverpool played very well. I mean, the, the, middle, well, the, the middle sort of 40, 50 minutes of the game, I, I thought they, were, they looked very much in control, and um, I thought it was unfortunate that the, the skirtle... Error was, um, you know, came when it did from the false point of view. They, they were playing very well. Joe Allen was passing the ball brilliantly in midfield, and I thought that there was a fluency and a fluidity and a, and a rhythm to Liverpool that I think will delight Rodgers. I think they're very much a work in progress, and it will remain so all season. But I, you know, I thought that was very positive. Dicko, is it clear to you now what, what Brendan's trying to do? Well, like, yeah, like Ollie, I mean, you know, certainly was as a first, you know, home significant home game, as a first significant home statement. I thought so, yeah. I mean, just in Joe Allen, to be honest, just in that performance alone, I thought we saw, you know, Rogers firmly sort of setting out his his template, his idea, and a very exciting one it is. If I was a Liverpool fan, you know, despite the self-inflicted mistakes of yesterday, I'd have left very hopeful, very confident that that you know everything I'd heard about Rogers. Um, everything I hoped Rogers could achieve could come to pass. I mean, it's not going to be simple. Um, you know, there's still, um, you know, for, for him to impose his ideas, um, he needs a certain type of player. And he's not got that in every position, I'm sure, that he would like. But, uh, you know, I thought it was ex- extremely positive start. Roy, are you going to rain on Brendan's parade? No, I think that it's... <sighs> Liverpool always play relatively well against the big sides at Anfield. You very rarely see a City or a United or an Arsenal or a Chelsea go to Anfield, and it happens occasionally. Chelsea won 4-1 there a few years ago, but very rarely do big teams go to a sort of revved-up Anfield. Who was the manager then? That was the noted genius Rafael Benitez was the manager then. Uh, His memoir is available in Aldwood Bookshop September September the 13th. Uh, But the test for Liverpool is more whether they can they can get points get results against the lesser sides Liverpool when they're up for it are always fine they're always they're not world beaters necessarily but they very rarely get beaten at Anfield by the big teams I think the problem is much more whether they can get they can produce against the Stokes and the West Broms and those sorts of sides 
Okay, so uh, Roy didn't really learn too much then from this game because uh, they always perform well against big teams. Is that what you're saying? They don't always perform well, but it's at an Anfield where everybody, you know, where the atmosphere is sort of high octane. It's not you're not going to learn that many lessons. Liverpool at home to City, you will not learn as much as you would at Liverpool away at Stoke. I think that in of Liverpool's five opening games, that's the really crucial one. Oi, do you do you buy this? Because I, I I can see where Roy's coming from, and and I thought. I mean, I, I was incredibly impressed by Raheem Sterling, which I think we, we should get to. Mm. Um, is it a case that Raheem Sterling, Joe Allen, those guys, instead of being intimidated by the cop and the responsibility of playing at Anfield, um, actually get a lift from it? Do you buy into all that psycho babble, or are you more nuts and bolts? Uh, no, I, 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 I do buy into the, um, the psycho babble, and I think... We- Liverpool have seen an awful lot of players go there with big-ish reputations um, or at least big-ish fees um, in, in recent years and you could probably take that back 20 years and a lot of them have seemed to struggle in in the atmosphere that you know well struggle at Anfield struggle with being a Liverpool player and, and just not fitted in I think uh, Rodgers one of the great words he uses is arrogance. He looks for arrogance in his players. Now, he's not talking about people walking up to uh, buskers and burning twenty-pound notes in their face. I think he's talking about. Um, he's, he's talking that about. That would be my definition of arrogance. Well, that, 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 it's definitely the most arrogant thing. Um, not even, not even. I tell he's done that. Is <laughs> but um, no, he's uh, no, he's talking about arrogance and confidence to, on the ball to to to, to play on their terms to, to take the fight to the, the opposition I think that's what he looks for and, and I thought in you know, the younger players not just Sterling not just Allen but Barini uh, as well I thought Quattes was as, as decent as I've seen him um, and, and Kelly had his moments um, at both ends but he um, I, I think that's what that's what he's looking for he's looking for players who are confident not necessarily big name players not necessarily big reputations or big price tags he's looking for players who are confident to play his way I think it's what Fergie always said about you know the greatest courage in football isn't you know the 50-50 tackle it's the willingness to take the ball under pressure and that's that's what Joe Allen has been signed to do and, and was rightly lauded by his manager yesterday I mean I, you know I would go so far as to say you know in, in the Joe Allen signing followed by the Joe Allen performance we saw enough indication for why Dalglish had to go and, and Rodgers had to come in simple as, simple as that To me Charlie Adam is the typical British footballer of 15 years ago and Joe Allen is the typical British footballer of 15 years in the future if everything goes right I think that's quite a nice wow. difference oh, in, good, isn't he? in in the, the emphasis of play I think Dalglish's side for all that they had massive flaws last season I'm not defending Dalglish it was absolutely the right decision to get rid of him Dalglish's side played nice football particularly at Anfield which is what I mean that Liverpool at Anfield that's not the problem. The problem for Liverpool for, for years has been getting results against the smaller sides. I think what's crucial to remember about yesterday was just how young that side was. Kelly, Coates, uh, Shelby, who came on for Lucas, Allen, Suarez, Barini, Sterling. They're all, I think the average age of half the team, you know, part of the average age was 23, which is ridiculously young. Say half of the average age. I think if you take out a couple of the players... So if you choose like the, the five youngest guys, you choose, the average, yeah, okay, if you, right. delibera- if you yeah, deliberately I, fix the, fix mm-hmm, the, okay, the right. survey. But yeah. the, it was a very Thank young you. side, and I think um, that's important to remember as well. Let's talk about another young player who's coming in, um, albeit a signing that I don't understand whatsoever, um, and that's Nori Shah. Uh, now, 
for those who aren't Euro football snobs like myself and Roy, uh, two years ago, uh, Nuri Shaheen was at Borussia Dortmund, where he was the best player in uh, in the Bundesliga, central midfielder, spreading the ball around, dominant, um, had Kagawa in front of him, uh, had Bender behind him, um, looked brilliant, moves to Real Madrid, and there's absolutely nothing. Um, can't get a game, has some injuries, but probably not enough injuries to explain why the guy hardly played at all for Real Madrid. And from what I can tell, his best asset is he's a very creative passer of the ball. He's not uber dynamic. Um, he's not uber quick. I don't see why you need Nuri Shaheen if you have Joe Allen in your midfield. And he's also definitely not a holding player, so I'm assuming Lucas is going to have to start too. And then your third spot, I would assume, is going to be Stevie G. Uh, Ollie, can you explain the thinking? Well, I, I would think they probably feel that they need an alternative to Gerard because uh, I think if you look at Gerard's stats, the last three, four seasons, he, he's not played an awful lot of games. He's, he's played a, a heck of a lot more than Nuri Shaheen last season. Yeah, but maybe Shaheen will play more this season than he did last season. And um, maybe Gerard won't play as much as... <laughs> As Shaheen did at, uh, at Dortmund, it's it's you know he, he's um, I, I I can see questions with regard to the structure of the deal if they haven't got if they haven't got an option to sign him permanently and and it's a, a reasonable outlay to get him on loan. But I think I think the the signing makes sense because you know although he does have a lot of central midfielders, he's clearly not convinced by Spearing or Adam or Henderson, and um, I, I think we'll see those. You know, those players may be phased out, or maybe Henderson go on loan or something, and, and Shaheen will will play a lot of games. I'm sure he will. D- Dicko, if I mean, obviously, Shaheen. What happened to Shaheen last season remains a mystery, right? And everybody's tight-lipped about what went wrong. I mean, what, what kind of sort of background check would a club do on a player to see exactly what happened? Yeah, I mean the risk. I, I, the risk. The risk is is minimal, as you said. You know, the, 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 as Ollie quite rightly says. You know, there's, Rogers clearly is not happy with a, an awful lot of you know, however many midfield players he's got. They clearly, he's not convinced that many of them suit uh, a style that he is absolutely determined to, to impose and, and that he's been brought in to impose. Um, so I, yeah, I, I don't really see. I think you're getting unduly worried, Gab, on on their behalf. Let's get back on this one on a future podcast, or maybe a uh, part down the pub. Um, all right, now I'm interested. Now, we've we got to move on to City, but I'm interested because I think we, we may have two, um, two, diff, two divergent viewpoints uh, between uh, Dicko and Ollie. And so, Rory, you and I are going are to sort of arbitrate, are, are going to be sort of the arbiters here of, of these two footballing heavyweights. Now, Dicko, uh, you... Yep. you clearly said. You said Mancini was tinkering, and I think it's fair to say you were not best pleased with his, uh, uh, with some of his choices in terms of formation and perhaps some of his substitutions as well, and certainly his personnel choices. Um, now, uh, and, and you wrote a very uh, eloquent column about this in the game today. Uh, Ollie, you're going to defend Mancini, right? I'm not going to defend him hugely. I, I, I don't. I don't think the the, the system the three four one two as I would see it. Um, I don't think that is a problem. And I, I think it's, it's a system that uh, suits City's squad or suits their current personnel. I think that if they end up getting a winger or two this week, then maybe it won't. It won't suit the squad that they've got. But I, I think 
that system worked very well against um, uh, Chelsea and the Community Shield. It, it, I think it suits a lot of the players they've got. Uh, and I thought that the um, the one problem that they really had um, yesterday was Carlo Torre. I don't understand why he was Ooh. playing. If it was a shop window selection, it wasn't exactly a shop window performance, was it? Dicko, though, if if playing three four one two means that I have to play Carlo Torre and Milner and Kolarov, none of whom are particularly good, can I say that, or, or have looked particularly wonderful, not to mention Nigel de Jong, another guy I've been trying to flog all summer, then should I maybe be playing a, a different system, one that maybe lets Lescott and Silva and my good players onto the pitch? Well, that, it was so hard to fathom. That's that's why um, we, we, you know, some of us were wondering yesterday if he'd done it as out of some sort of spite type, you know, bolshiness to, you know, if I put enough sort of players in slightly strange positions, then maybe it will prove to Marwood sitting in the director's box that, um, you know, give me give me uh, weight to my argument that I need to, to revamp the squad more in the next four days. I, I, I you know, you're struggling for some explanation because I, I didn't the personnel didn't make any sense in in some of the positions. They were. He had Lescott on the bench, and then Zabaleta as a left-sided centre half. Um, Colatore sort of say brought back from from nowhere. You had effectively Zabaleta and um, uh, Kolarov sort of doubling up on Barini. You had Torre and Milner sort of passing Sterling around. Who, you know, whoever good he was, sort of doubling up on a 17-year-old debutant at, at, effectively because the wing backs weren't getting forward. So you know, I've got no objection to three four one two in 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 theory in principle I'm not sure it was that good against in the community shield I mean Chelsea were reduced to 10 men but I, you know, I, I can understand why Mancini wants to tinker um, what he wants to experiment he wants to look at different options you know they're going to face uh, he doesn't like orthodox wingers so playing that system has some merit with the, the players he's got and the type of the type of player he's developing you know I've got no problem with experimenting it just didn't make any sense with the way they did it at Liverpool against the Liverpool team that were very nervous in the first 15 minutes are still trying to learn to play their way out of the back it made far more sense to press high up the field as West Brom did it didn't make sense for the occasion it didn't make sense for the manpower simple as that I can see why Mancini wants to play that way but I just I just don't think that it's odd to me that you've got all those great players at City and yet the one you're choosing to build the system around is James Milner Chelsea and Newcastle now <laughs> Um, uh, a good friend of ours at the, at, at the Times, um, who used to be on this podcast and uh, contributes, Guillaume Balaguer, sent out uh, a tweet to his uh, zillions of followers and said, See, Torres is back. All you critics were short-sighted. Um, now, I haven't abused him for it yet, but I just wanted to point out that Torres's bad spell of form wasn't just a couple of months or even a year. It was a heck of a long, long time. And also a good performance and a well-taken goal doesn't really mean that he's fully back, does it, Dicko? Uh, well, he's not fully back, and I'm not sure he'll ever be fully back to the to the player he was um, of a few years ago, so, You know, partly by virtue of, of age and 
um, a, we- a wearying body. But you know, I have to say, I'd t- chapeau to Torres for the fact that he's 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 looking like he's shown the confidence of old. Um, there's no dispute in that. And I, you know, I think who wouldn't be pleased to see that? I mean, I think you know, no one likes to see a player. I mean, I'm still I can still hear the, the gasp of seventy odd thousand fans when he shanked that one at Old Trafford in front of the Stratford end. Um, you know, it was just one of those sort of, you know, excruciating moments that you, that you, you could see. It. He was a world-class player, clean through, uh, and he couldn't kick a ball straight eight yards into an into an empty net. And, and you know, we winced at that. And it's it's great to see great players. Um, and Torres has undoubtedly been a great player. Um, you know, coming back to to some sort of form and, and confidence. And and you know, Chelsea because the one interesting, you know, they spent all this money on those, you know, on a an awful lot of um, lovely players who can play sort of uh, you know across the three just behind an attacker and they don't have an obvious deputy for Torres I mean Sturridge could go up front but Chelsea have never or hardly ever played him as a, as a sort of number nine and certainly not as a sort of lone number nine they need Torres to work um, unless they're going to pull a striker out of nowhere in the next four days so there's an awful lot resting on him but maybe it's because of that you know, burden and expectation and the fact that the job was gone that he is suddenly rising in confidence you know I, I'm, I'm glad to see it because it's you know say we like to see great players um, you know play great I would yeah in terms of what you said Gab about the, the sort of Torres's funk I'd say it probably lasted three years between <laughs> 2009 and, and 2012 and I think there is an element that we have mythologised the player that existed before that he was obviously in, the first, in his first two years at Liverpool he was a fantastic sort of force of nature flowing forward that blonde, blonde tresses trailing behind him I don't I I agree that he'll never hit those the, the, the heights of that form. It could actually be said, if you looked at his career, that that form was the illusion and this Torres is the real Torres. But from what I've seen of Torres this season, he does look... He looks much fitter. He looks a lot stronger. That's crucial, that he, he doesn't look like he's going to be shaking off the ball. That might be because he's not moping constantly. And he looks like he's got a team, as Dicko says, built for him, basically. But the problem Chelsea have is that they've been, they've been looking at Giovanni, they've been looking at Falcao. They can't sign either of those strikers if they want Torres to play because you can't go and spend what 35 million on Trevani 35 million on, on Falcao and then say to them alright lads you're on the bench no no you you, you, you play Cavani on the wing but Cavani's not nearly as effective on the wing doesn't matter just give it a couple of weeks Torres will stink again and then you put Cavani up front Bob Junko very negative but they, they, they've got the no th- but I'm saying but, but that's your insurance man and if Torres does well then hey Cavani hey you know well, who'd enjoy you dro- coming on who do you drop for him what? Hazard, Mata who do you drop Oscar, who, who do you? Well, Oscar's already dropped. Um, I mean, it doesn't doesn't really matter who you drop. I mean, you, I would assume you, you you can go really attacking and drop. Uh, um, drop John Obi Mikel. There you go. Drop John. Don't have a midfield, but I think that they do have. Torres looks as as good as I've seen him for probably three years at the moment. But that in itself gives Chelsea a problem because, as you say, there is a chance that he his form will will be illusory and it will disappear. And if, it ha- if that happens after Friday, they've not reinforced, then they've got a bit of an issue. Ali, I was... Um... Could I just say, it'd be interesting, I mean, I'd love to know whether we'll ever find out, but we, whether he was... There were times when, you know, he straying into dangerous sort of, um, you know, male-esque sort of putting Torres on the couch type pieces. But, I mean, I would love... I've discussed it with people at Chelsea and never had a definitive answer of whether Torres was sort of clinically depressed at any of those stages in the last couple of years. I mean, he, he certainly, you know, 
you down in the dumps would be the would be the understatement um, to say the least. But you know, you, you wonder there were times when the, the way he was carrying on. I don't know. Say this is the danger of sort of reading into body language. But when a guy is sort of walking around in such a funk for so long, um, you, you you have to ask. Say at one stage he was he had lapsed into full blown depression, and I'd lo- I'd love to get an answer to that some stage. I was told the other day that one of Fernando Torres's favourite bands are the Doo Doo Dolls. The Doo Doo Dolls. So I think we can we can be fairly sure he's got some sort of major problem. There you go. Leave it. Leave it to you to make a musical reference, um, which which passes me and Ollie by. Uh, Ollie. Um, Let's bring it back to football, um, away from silly waste of time like pop music, um, <laughs> or indeed the Goo Goo Dolls. Um, I think uh, I'm right in saying Chelsea have scored eight goals this season. Um, Hazard has scored one of them, and on the other seven, he's either uh, delivered the final pass or he's won the penalty uh, for them. Um, Anybody here have the cojones to stand up and be like, "Oh, I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised by how well Hazard has done. I expected him to be this good so quickly." Maybe not so quickly. That's the surprise. I think that he just sort of he's just waltzed into the team and and looked like one of the best players in the country. But I think, yeah, I, I think anyone who'd seen him for Lille more than you know two or three times had probably thought that he's obviously got something he's obviously special he is a world class talent and he's, he's showing that so it's not a surprise he's doing this well you maybe wouldn't have expected it in the first three games I guess He's got Dicko. He's got that weird thing where his he's very quick and obviously skillful, but he's also got like that that wide rear end where he's low to the ground and he's kind of difficult to knock off the ball. It's almost um, almost Tevez esque if I can um, make up that word. You, you've been studying his rear end more than I have, but um, but no, I know no, take, take your point. I mean, he's as you say, low center of gravity. I mean, the um, uh, that as you say makes him, and which one of the things that will equip him, I guess, for the Premier League will be um, the ability to be a little robust. Um, no, I think uh, like Rory said, I don't think anyone is um, surprised by the the, the 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 skill, and I guess we'd all expect to see it in flashes, but. Um, it is pretty rare for a player to come in and, or not rare, but certainly, you know, it speaks very well of an exceptional player that he can come in and take to it so fast. And, and I have to say, Dimitri needs to take some credit for that, I guess. I mean, I'm still waiting for, I'm still waiting to be vindicated on my skepticism about Dimitri, and it's proving, um, it's, it's, I'm, I'm getting, I'm getting twitchy. Um, and he's won, he's won the FA Cup and the European Cup. And I, if, if I keep sticking on this, Dimitri is not going to succeed at Chelsea, then I reckon in the next 10 years, I might just be vindicated. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, I want to uh, talk Newcastle. Uh, I, I was impressed by them. But... Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. One thing which I thought was cruel and weird and stupid is this idea that they had to play on Thursday night 
uh, in the Europa League and then travel to London on Saturday. Now, I'm told that this was because of the police and the Notting Hill Carnival, and so they couldn't play this game on Sunday. Now, far be it for me to tell you all how to run your police force, um, but maybe I can tell you a bit how to run your fixture calendar. Um, why did they schedule this game for the weekend of the Notting Hill Carnival? What you mean, should they have wiped out all home games in London on, on this particular weekend, even though there's, whatever, it's five or six London teams? Well, no, but evidently it was enough of a problem that they that, that Newcastle couldn't play on Saturday, right? So they knew Newcastle were in the Europa League, right? That, that wasn't that's not wasn't a mystery. No. Couldn't they simply have moved the fixtures or or put it as a variable in their fixture computer to make sure that Newcastle wouldn't be penalised in this way? Their entirely random fixture computer that just happens to generate four Super Sundays a year. Stop it. The um, I, I I think it's ridiculous that, New, that Newcastle were forced to play again within 48 hours I think I think it's really unfair and um, I, I don't know what the solution would be I don't know whether it's you know I don't know whether it's logistically impossible to have a football match in um, in in Chelsea when the, when the Nottingham Hill Carnival's on but I, I I mean if it was well then why not play the game on a, on the Monday night I mean it, it seemed it seemed very unfair given that um, teams generally don't have to play twice in 48 hours it seemed very unfair that, that um, Newcastle were forced to do that at all never mind after a trip back from Greece now on to our debate um we're basically two weeks into the season, and still there's transfer speculation. Um, unsettled players are being left out of squads. Uh, Clint Dempsey, perhaps Luka Modric, who, of course, is uh, on the verge of signing for Real Madrid. Uh, I think it's subject to a medical as, I, uh, as we record this. Um, and there's this weird situation where perhaps fans don't know if they will start the next game with a stronger or weaker squad. Um, now, Rory, you always have bright ideas about how we can fix transfer systems. I believe a while back you were arguing that we should abolish transfer fees altogether, uh, so presumably so the wealthy clubs can uh, simply get all the good players at other clubs to just give their notice and go, go join them without any compensation. Um, but uh, uh, what's your bright solution on the transfer system? Well, I, I, I agree that it's inherently stupid that that it's sort of yeah two games into the season and, and clubs are, are still sort of buying and selling and what have you and as you, as you say there's actually an argument that it, it interrupts the integrity of the league because it's much better for you to face I don't think of a good example say, say Sunderland without Clint Dempsey than it is to face Sunderland with Clint Dempsey if you take that just as an example that may not be necessarily Does true Does he play for Fulham? Well it's, but say if he signs for, for okay. Sunderland if you, the, the two teams who've played Sunderland before he signs are facing theoretically a weaker Sunderland team but what I really don't understand is why clubs wait for the deadline surely and I know this is true of, of, of Roberto Mancini it's partly why he's so frustrated managers want players in for the for pre-season because that's when they do A. their fitness work and B. that's when they do a lot of the shape work that lets them, the managers sort of get their sides working as they want them to be and yet they seem to wait for orders the 31st to do everything it's been worse this, this summer than, than most summers and it's completely ludicrous because the, the money that you saved as you think teams are going to panic buy your own players or panic sell their players you're trusting yourself because you're at the same time panicked selling your own players and panicked buying other people's players it's a completely ludicrous system Ollie do you, do you agree with this or can you justify waiting till the end to get the best deals no well I, I think if, I think if you're 
Um, uh, well, I, I think if you're Daniel Levy, you've probably had a few exp experiences where you think you've been terribly clever and, and got people at the last minute for half a million less than you might otherwise have done. Um, and I think that there is a certain sort of type of chairman who thinks it, it's extremely clever or, or managers think that they'll get players in in the last few days of August that they might not otherwise get. But it's... Um, it just it just frustrates me for for the reason that that, that Rory mentioned it's, it's the integrity of the league, but it's also it's also this first two weeks of the season almost feels like a bit of a, a phony war really. It feels feels like you know, teams still haven't got their squads together, and um, and obviously it's only sort of ten years or so since transfers used to happen all, all the way through to March. But it's it's the, the transfer window has created a frenzy which is concentrated in the final week of August and the final week of January. And I, I would prefer it if that frenzy happened um, before the season started. I, I think it, I think it, it, it makes things too... Um, it makes things just, well, too, too unstable as the season starts. There's a compatibility with Europe, partly, isn't it? I mean, if, if so much so much of the business is international, then I guess um, with most of Europe having a window to the end of August then you know, it, it makes some sense to be say to, 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 to dovetail with them but the same the same thing's happened in Spain they're two games into their season mm. it's, Serie A kicks off this weekend yeah but there's it? other leagues in Europe apart from Spain and Italy Mr. Big League Big yeah, but Team which leagues and there's also which, leagues in which what? leagues haven't started Gab haven't started yet yeah of the major leagues, which ones haven't started? Well, the, Macedonian. The, the, the major leagues, the, the major leagues have started, but there's some leagues which which start in, in mid July. I mean, um, there's some leagues that play through the summer. Uh, there's nothing stopping the Premier League from saying, "Hey, look, um, first, you, you know, you can sign you can sign players right up to until the first game of the season. After that, you can't sign any more." Yeah, but you, they there can is, make there that is, rule. There is something stopping them because you're hamstringing your, your teams whilst other clubs are, are doing their business. So right, it, but you I, would have that stability and integrity that you guys love talking about. But, but and actually, Dicko, you and I are older than these kids here, right? And I think, although Ollie's got a good sense of history, so he mentioned it. Um, a few years ago, the transfer window ran the whole year long. I remember being absolutely shocked. In the first few years, I was in this, it was in the country. And to be fair, I wasn't. Um, it, it wasn't a man. It wasn't a player. It was a manager. I remember George Graham sort of managing Leeds one week and Spurs the next week, and Leeds playing Spurs in between, and thinking like, my goodness, you know, talk about unsettling and instability and potentially tapping up and and all this other stuff. Surely it was a lot worse back then, and that's why the transfer window brings some order, right? Well, when I, when I saw we were discussing this topic, I was actually trying to wind my creaking memory back to the days when there was no window, and as you say, it was um, it was sort of open season all around, and trying to trying to recall whether that did make things less friend, less less friendly. I mean. Sometimes it, you know, I've always maybe maybe this is an English thing. I mean, I'm always struck by how uh, abroad, um, as we call it, um, sometimes you, you hear of, of managers who are just sort of signed up to join other clubs in, in for the next season, but they they still they continue and see out their current contracts, and that seems almost. And I'm sure that's I'm not saying it's regular, but it does has has happened in the Bundesliga, hasn't it? A couple of times. It's a, just to jump in there. Of course, the, the famous case was Jupp Heynckes who's at Bayer Leverkusen, who are challenging Bayern Munich for uh, a spot in the Champions League the following year. 
and he knows he's moving to Bayern Munich the following year. And, you know, whenever I said, geez, isn't that kind of a conflict of interest? All the Germans like, no, no, you Italians, you think that, oh, you always think the worst of people. No, nothing to see here. Move along, move along. I know. I mean, it says maybe it's a slight tangent, but I was sort of struck by that. Um, you know, that, 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 that say that that can happen without any the sort of I don't know, say frenzy um, that we have here. I, I mean, I disagree with Roy's point, um, and well, I think Roy and Ollie's point about the sort of integrity of the league. I mean, I think there are so many variables that just because we are two games into the season and Adam Johnson moves to Sunderland and you know, he, he may play against certain teams and hasn't played against others, that makes a difference. I mean, there are so many zillions of variables in. A long nine month long season that I, 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 you know I'm not hung up on whether that's fair on Sunderland or their opponents or Man City or their opponents but you know I, you know I, I don't think any of us feel it's entirely satisfactory that um, we're in we're into the season and still debating it and and I and I do absolutely concur with Rory's point that um, as a manager um, you would certainly think that you would want your business done well before now um, but uh, obviously it's not managers often doing the negotiations it's 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 chief executives um, and brilliantly mastermind uh, mastermind chairman like Daniel Levy who has negotiated an extra four and a half P in delaying the Modric transfer by several months. Yeah, the special partnership whereby by Real Madrid get three tours of Tottenham's museum for free and get to sign Gareth Bale next uh, summer. That actually, this is a point that's very important to um, our producer, uh, Chris Skinner, uh, who, of course, is a big, uh, is this big Spurs fan. He wants to know if... Levy's handling of Modric was clever or not. Now, I know there's shades of gray. And so let's say on a scale of one to 10, where one, he's an absolute uh, dolt, and 10, he's an absolute combination of Monchi and Baldini and Zork all rolled into one. Um, Rory, your assessment? Six, because he's got what is it 27 million rising to 33 for Modric which is probably what Real would have paid at the start of the summer so why is, he, why is it dragged on this line I think that's the issue why drag things out for what in football are relatively small amounts of money what's the point what's the point of waiting for an extra 500 grand when you might cost yourself half of that in le- you, you realise 500 le- grand is more, is more than some families make in a year Rory no, but it, there's no point linking it to what nurses make or whatever because it's football it's a completely separate economy 500 grand in football is not it's not a just nurses money. who make less than 500 grand a year well, I don't Rory. know you realise that I don't know do I'm I? sorry I'm sorry we heard this, the, the, the unless, he was worried, unless he was worried that banking the money early in the summer would therefore have um, Villas Boas saying well, what great I've got all this money to spend and so by re- reducing Villas Boas's chances of spending that to well, four days, maybe may, may, may that. I mean, it's, well, this is not just that. It's it's it's, it's, it's Dicko, Dicko, as you said. Like when you when you sell big at the start of the summer, um, people know you're sitting on a big wad of cash, and yeah. and and the, your transfer targets will get more expensive because you can't plead poverty. But when you sp- get 27 million quid in with four days left to go, your transfer tar- the teams you're dealing with trying to replace them know that you've suddenly just just got 27 million million quid and you're desperate. Right, but he's, they've signed players in between, like Vertonghen and Sigurdsson, um, before they got the cash in for Modric. Yeah, but they will, they will now have to go right. and sign players to replace Modric, so there's no question about Dicko, it. Dicko, your, your, your verdict on the, uh, on the 1 to 10, dolt to genius scale for Modric, uh, for, the, for the way Levy handled. No, well, not for Levy I, himself, of course. But I don't think he doesn't, doesn't deserve a round of applause. I mean, what, what were Chelsea? I mean, Chelsea were willing to pay last summer as well, weren't they? So, I mean, you know, he's got an extra season out of him. But, you know, I, mean, I don't think there's any, I don't think we can, um, I don't think 
you know, he, he wants a standing ovation for um, dragging something along all summer and, and getting more or less what we you know, expect, expected all along. So, yeah, I mean, we'd be lucky to scrape a five on my scale. Ollie, your verdict, and then I'll give you my verdict on Mr. Levy. Uh, I, I think in this particular instance, five. I think he's, I think he's, he's proved a, a good negotiator in the past. I mean, you look at the Berbatov deal, for example, and um, various others, Parker and Adebayo all coming in in, in, in the uh, last summer. But Parker, I Parker came. Parker in was a brilliant deal. No, I think I think it was an advantageous deal, that, uh, and they ended up getting him cheaper than they would have done had they gone in for him in um, on the first of June. Doesn't he have an enormous contract that they're on the hook for forever now? Like well, otherwise, for the yeah, three but, years but, of Scott Parker in the Spurs midfield, the timing of the deal and and, and the size of the transfer fee, right. really. Um, but the um, and, and they wouldn't have got him for for, for less than that wage wise. Um, but I, I I feel that in this instance, um, I think he's he's perhaps got a little caught up in how, in how clever he is to, um, to to string these things out. I, I think Spurs, if you look at all the potential ins and outs this week, um, Spurs are currently an unstable squad. Um, and I think they could have done with an awful lot of that stability um, going into the season rather than going into September. Gab, what's your verdict? We're all on tenterhooks. Thank you. Um, I give Modric, uh, sorry, I give Levy an eight here. I think he handled this very well. I think um, there are certain clubs who inflate fees, and it's great to you can say we can get forty million if you sell them to Paris Saint Germain or Chelsea, but there aren't that many clubs like that. You manage to sell Real Madrid a player they frankly didn't need at all. Uh, You avoided selling him to um, another Premier League club, which would have created problems for you. And ultimately, you got this great newfangled partnership with Real Madrid out of it, which as somebody very cynical, was it you or was it Dicker? Which one of you? Who was the cynic who said it allows them to sell Gareth Bale to Real Madrid next year? That was me. That was you. Hang your head in shame. All right, time now for some quick hits. Manchester United come from behind to defeat Fulham 3-2, but Wayne Rooney gets a nasty gash on his leg, and the defense once again makes a couple big boo-boos. Uh, Ollie, what is more of a concern to Sir Alex, Rooney's absence or uh, their defensive hiccups? Uh, without question, the defense. Uh, Rooney, you know, he, is a, he is a very good player for United, but I, I, you know, with Van Persie on board, with Welbeck, with uh, Hernandez, they, they, they do have alternatives. They don't necessarily need him at this time of the season. I don't expect they'll drop too many points unless they continue defend, to, to defend as they have been. I think their defence is uh, a mess and there's an injury crisis, but there seems to be a, a defensive injury crisis every season at United. It's very strange how many, how often all of their defenders get injured. How about you go and you interview the club's chief medical officer since it's such a it's a, such an open sunshine club and so open to the media? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's the kind of thing where um, you know, Ferguson might say in the press conference, ask, you know, you should ask the doctor. And, um, of course, the doctor has never been seen in public. I wonder if there is a doctor, if it's like one of those like holograms, like on Star Trek uh, uh, Voyager. I don't think it is. No? No. Uh, Arsenal get a point at Stoke, but once again, they fail to score. Rory, what's your take on the Giroud-Podolsky connection? Uh, is sorting that out more important than replacing Alex Son? Uh, replacing Alex Son with a light-for-light midfielder is not important. Replacing Alex Son with someone who can tackle properly is very important. Uh, Giroud-Podolsky, I think, will take time. That's natural. We shouldn't rush it. My concern with Olivier Giroud, who seems like a lovely man, is that he has an element of the Stefan Guivarche about him. Meaning what? He's Meaning he, he had one good season in France, and that has masked the fact that it, he's only just above average. I remember Didier Drogba only had one good season in France that didn't yeah. seem to do him too much harm. Yeah, another, so there. Another fine example. 
Swansea, do it again. Two games, two wins, eight goals scored, none allowed. Uh, Dicko, how are they different this year from last season? And do you care to make a bold prediction as to when the wheels are going to come off? Uh, I think, I mean, obviously, part of the, the obvious um, manpower changes and the different managers, so they're pretty different. Um, the, the players are talking about a slightly more direct approach. I mean, I must confess, I've only seen um, match of the day highlights so far, but certainly Graham has talked about the, the, the instruction has been that um, while they want to play, um, keep the sort of uh, much much of the strength from the Rogers era, um, they also want to um, say be a little more um, direct at times. Um, that's been shown, I'd say, in the, in the bits I've seen. Uh, as for how long it'll last, well, um, I, I think their pitches actually for the next month aren't too bad at all. So you know, I don't see that there's going to be any uh, immediate blip. Uh, roll on, roll on that. Um, uh, loud drop wagon. Everton also make it two wins from two as they pummel Aston Villa away 3-1. Uh, Ollie, do you want to join the masses heaping praise on Davy Moyes? Or do you want to be a little more original and tell us that you're really not surprised that Paul Lambert is having such a, tri- uh, such a tricky time at Villa Park? Uh, I would normally accept any invitation to uh, to sing Moises' praises, but um, I think it's more important we focus on Villa. If you, if you look at the, the the squad that they've got, the team that he put out on, on Saturday, it's just not a team that makes you think they're going to finish higher than perhaps 13th, 14th in, in, in the Premier League. They might finish a lot below that. It's a very, very weak, inexperienced Premier League squad, and although they've got some very good youngsters, I mean, they're they need more experience they need more proven quality and I think I really do fear for Villa and they've got a good manager but he needs he needs to be able to invest in the squad I like Alamari midfield myself but uh, that Ron Flar, I can kind of see why despite Holland having some of the worst center halves in the history of humanity he still couldn't get into the side on a regular basis and despite not being a midget unlike the rest of those guys Tottenham draw against West Brom after dominating for long stretches but they concede a late 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 equalizers Uh, Rory did Spurs deserve more and more importantly is Andre Villas Boas wrong to want to banish poor old Michael Dawson from his site Uh, it wasn't at the game but from what I saw on match of the day it looked like Spurs probably shaded it but then West Brom are you know, started very well, looked well organised under under Steve Clark and, and Claudio Jakob have the best midfielder on the planet. Um, in terms of the, yeah, an the, excuse to praise a South American guy, I tell you what, Yusuf yeah. Yusuf Malumbu is a player as well. He's criminally underrated. And he's not South American. As good as Chate Teote. You're supposed to be talking about Michael Dawson and why AVB doesn't like him. I have no idea why AVB doesn't like him. I know he's got this theory that Dawson can't play in a high line, but I would have thought that at Spurs there are far bigger problems to address than whether Michael Dawson's good enough. Stephen Fletcher and Adam Johnson for Sunderland. Not exactly cheap, but much-needed reinforcements. Uh, Dicko, are they enough to push Sunderland into a European spot, given who the manager is? Ha-ha, the saintly Martin O'Neill. He's, he's, they're going to win the league. Um, he's got yeah, God on his side. The Saints and Apostles backing up from behind. But no, I mean, Adam Johnson, I'm, I'm really, really hopeful um, that Adam Johnson, um, under O'Neill's brilliant um, uh, managership, can become the player that he, sh- he should become, which, you know, he should be an England regular starter. He's good enough. He's got the talent. He just needs um, the, the regular application. He needs to be trusted. He, he needs a, a manager who's going to be sort of on his case as well, because it's, it's, it's entirely sort of in his grasp to become, um, say, become an England regular. And I hope O'Neill can do to him what he did with Ashley Young with Milner and that's make make him be as good as he can be 
and Gab, one for you. Not the best start for Real Madrid this season. Uh, beaten at Getafe 2-1 after drawing one all with Valencia. Five points behind Barcelona. Jose Mourinho has yet to win in all competitions. What's wrong? Well, I don't think much was wrong before this uh, this weekend, but against Hitafe, uh, I thought they were absolutely terrible. Um, and what's interesting to me is that, you know how a, a Jose Mourinho coach side will go down, uh, will go like a goal down, and then they'll send on like two strikers, and then they'll win 2-1, and any other manager, you just say, all right, well, fine, he gambled, he felt he had no choice. Um, you know, fair enough. Uh, with Mourinho, it's a brilliant tactical change. Well, he tried to pull one of those. They're 1-0 up. It goes to 1-1, and all of a sudden, off go, come the left back, and uh, and the holding midfielder on come Callejon and Benzema they go all out and they give up a stupid goal because Raul Albiol isn't uh, as good as Pepe or as mobile as Pepe so um, it was disjointed I think this I think Mourinho carries a lot of blame for this defeat but hey the good news is it's one game he can fix it he's smart enough to fix it and I think they will fix it that's all we've got time for this week it's been fun hasn't it you had fun Roy yeah, kind of. Yeah, there you go. Uh, come find us on Twitter and share your thoughts, or you can email gamepodcast at thetimes.co.uk. Uh, and remember, you can go to thetimes.co.uk for your news, your gossip, your analysis, your web chats. Uh, mine's on Tuesdays. Ollie, yours is clearly the best one of the week. What day is it? Uh, it's Wednesday, but it might not be this week. It's Wednesday, but it might not be. You even get the suspense of not knowing. Uh, Rory's yours is on Monday, but that's kind of irrelevant because um, by the time people download this, it will have come and gone. And, of course, now we've got uh, a new and expanded and revamped game blog. And uh, I'm coming up there, I think, uh, Tuesday or Wednesday this week. But, hey, if it's not me, it'll be somebody equally good. So never fear. Um, Till next week. Bye-bye. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com.